I want to preach to you this morning and speak to you on this thought about entering into his gates. Entering into his gates. I want you to turn to Psalms chapter 100, a very familiar chapter. We often quote, we often look at many times concerning worship, and I want to use that as my text today. Many of you know that we have only 11 days until Thanksgiving, which is and just unbelievable that time is already here upon us. Most of us will be taking time with our families, and that's wonderful. And hopefully, we will take on a thankful attitude. A thankful attitude. Being grateful, in other words, to God for His blessings. Many of us, as God's people, we ought to be experts in the field of being thankful unto the Lord. Because, really, being thankful is a form of worship. It's a form of worship. On the other hand, some of you may be like me a little bit. You know, we're thankful for a lot of things, but I'm thankful also for the dressing and the turkey and all that other stuff. But Brother Adam, before I'm thankful for that, I, I need to understand where my thanksgiving needs to fall first. And so I want to talk to you this morning on a few principles about worship and why it's important for every one of us to have the right attitude when it comes to worshiping the Lord. Look with me in Psalms chapter 100. The Bible says, make a joyful shout. One translation says noise. Make a joyful shout to the Lord all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Goes on to say in verse 4, very familiar scripture where it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. His truth endures to all generations. Father, take my words. Let them go where they need to go. Pierce our soul today with your word and your presence. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris. You may be here this morning without any relationship with the Lord, and that's okay. I'm glad that you're here if that's the case. I also pray that before this service is over that you will make Lord Jesus Lord of your, of your life today. I know of many people, and you do too, that goes to the Lord's house in hopes of getting questions answered. Not necessarily living for him, but hopes in getting questions answered. And if that's who you are and, and where you're coming from this morning, I, I want to invite you to listen closely concerning this, this message, this encouragement this morning concerning worshiping the Lord. If worshiping God is something that you know very little about, then my prayer is that you find answers to your questions this morning by learning how to worship Him. I promise you there's a lot of questions that can be answered today if you'll just learn how to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. I'm not asking you to worship Him traditionally. Okay? 
I'm not asking you to worship him the way that you think you ought to look like worshiping the Lord. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not asking you to worship the Lord of, of how you was necessarily brought up in the sense of how we always are accustomed to what we think worship is all about. But what I am asking you to do is to search way down deep inside and ask the question, do I or am I worshiping the Lord the way that he wants me to worship him? I want to encourage you to allow God the opportunity to introduce himself you know, in, your, in your life through the words that's written in Scripture. Whether you're a man or whether you're a woman, whether you're a boy or a girl, I want you to know something this morning, that God desires to know you in a very, very personable way. He desires to understand you. He desires to know you. He desires that you would understand who he is as well. And he is a living God. He's a loving God. And he loves you more than probably what you and I can possibly ever understand. And he is waiting this morning on you and I. He waits for us every day with the opportunity to speak to us all the time, Brother Reigns. He wants to and desires to speak to us. <laughs> Turn with me, if you will, in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. There's a scripture here, verses 20 through 23, that I want to read to you in this New Living Translation, but also in the, in the Message Translation as well. The Bible says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor thankful, but became frutal in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Now, would you listen to the same scripture out of the Message Bible? The Bible says this, but God's angry displeasure erupts in the acts of human mistrust and wrongdoing and lying accumulate as people try to put a shroud over the truth. But the basic reality of God is plain enough. Open your eyes, and there it is. By taking a long and a thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see what their eyes as such cannot see, such as eternal power, for instance, and the mystery of the divine being. For So nobody has a good excuse. What happened was this. People knew God perfectly well. Listen to this. People knew God perfectly well, but when they did not treat him as God, listen, refusing to worship him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left 
in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. They traded the glory of God who holds the whole world in his hands for a cheap figurine that you can buy at some roadside stand. I've come to let you know this morning that that is exactly where we are today. Many people in our nation today are trading the truth for a myth today. They're trading reality for some figurine today to set up on a shelf somewhere and worship him. I'm not worshiping a figurine today. I'm not worshiping a picture of Jesus hanging on my wall today. I am worshiping the true and the living God today. He is absolute truth in our life today. It's all right if you want to have a picture of Jesus hanging on your wall, but don't go by there every day and bow down before the picture today. Don't go by every day and bow down to a figurine today. If you do, you're going to be doing silly things and you're going to trade the truth to a lie. You're going to be trading the truth for a myth today. But Jesus is alive and he's well today and he desires our worship today. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's just look and dive into a little bit of what worship is. Worship in this sense is this. It's the nature of God relating itself to the nature of you and I, the nature of man. Now think about that just a little bit. It's the nature of God relating itself to the nature of man. There is no way, Brother Rains, that I can relate to God's nature in my own human strength. I, I think I know who he is. I may think that I have a, a pretty good understanding of who God is, but to look at him, Brother Roger, in all of his fullness, come on, somebody, I don't know that I can really understand that and comprehend that in my human form today, amen. But in my human form, I'm not gonna trade the truth for a myth. In my human form, I'm not gonna pretend to know everything that there is to know about life when I don't. I'm not going to pretend to know everything about the humanity because I don't. I'm not going to pretend to know everything about the Godhead and spiritualism and all of those things that we talk about a lot of times. But there's one thing that I know. I understand what the truth is. And God wants and God desires you and me to be a part of his family. Amen. He wants us. Do we want God though? God wants us, but do we want God? See, he wants us just the way that we are. But here's the real question. Do we want him just the way that he is? Or do we want to change him up a little bit and fit who we are? Do we want to change his thoughts and his, his all these things up a little bit to, of how I want to live and, and justify those things? The way that he's always been. Do we want him the way that he's always been? You see, God's attitude toward us has always been the same. It never has changed and it never will. It's our attitude towards worshiping him that's important. There's a few things I want you to consider real quick concerning worshiping God. The first thing is this. There's an attitude of emotion that we go through. Sometimes we struggle with stress. Sometimes we struggle with depression. Sometimes we struggle with oppression as a result of the cares of this world. And other times we simply prepare our hearts and our minds, enabling us to lose ourselves in his presence. Have you ever been there? I want to lose myself in his presence. And what I'm talking about, there is a choice. 
There's a choice that you and I make. Now, let me, let me help some of us today. You, you, as I said earlier, you, you came to church this morning. You got up and you done all the right things. You got up and you took a shower. You put clothes on. You brushed your hair. You done all the things, the necessary things to come out into public, to come to the house of God. Well, most of the time you do that to go on your job as well, right? So what's the difference? It's my attitude of worship. It's my attitude of emotion. It's the choice that I choose that when I come in God's presence, I'm going to worship him. I'm not just going to come and sit idly by. I'm not just going to come and let somebody entertain me. I'm not just going to come and see if everybody will notice what I've got on. I'm not just going to come and, 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 just, and just be looked at, so to speak. I simply want to come and give God honor and give him praise through my worship today. Now, worship will look different on some of you than it does me. My life is different than possibly some of you. I was brought up differently than some of you. You understand what I'm talking about? That's not necessarily, you don't got to worship like me. I know that's not grammatical right, Sister Mavis, but I said it anyway. You all right? We don't have to worship like me, but the truth is that when we come in God's presence, we simply must worship him. We gotta worship him. We gotta recognize who he is. So there's an attitude of emotion. There's another thing I want you to notice. There's a physical attitude. Now this one gets us right here, this physical attitude. Initially, we may feel spiritually numb at times. You know what I'm talking about. I don't feel nothing. We leave out of church. I don't know what these folks got excited about because I didn't feel nothing today. We've all been there, right? Let's be honest with one another. How many of you have ever sat in, in, in church before and you've not felt nothing? I have. We've all been the same way. We've not felt anything. So, so we may feel spiritually numb or we may be overwhelmed and some of us are even awestruck with God's presence. Not how in the world is this taking place? We may choose to resist or we may choose to submit unto his presence. But we will consciously make an effort to either move in or maybe remove ourselves from the obvious presence of the Lord. Now let me stop here long enough and say this. When God moves in a house... Doesn't nobody have to tell you? You know what I'm talking about? You know something's different. When the presence of God moves in, you know that there's something special that's going on. But the point I want to make, there is always a choice that you or I will have to make. We're either going to submit to his presence or we're going to choose to remove ourselves from his presence. I've watched men and women just like you that have submitted to the will of God and God gloriously ministers unto them. At the same time, Brother Reigns, I've watched men and women when God's presence is in the house and he's moving in a phenomenal way, I've watched them get up and walk out of the presence of the Lord. And I often have to ask myself, how does people do that? How do you leave the presence of the Lord? How do you leave God's presence? How, how do you get to the place where it's okay to leave the presence of a God. So there's an attitude of emotion, there's a physical attitude which leads to results in our life. If we deny or if we resist worship, there will always be a deepened sense of a sadness and an emptiness in our life every time. 
There is something always associated with guilt, condemnation, and a lack of spiritual self-worth, if you will. But if you and I will submit to worship, the results will always be more than what you and I have expected. There may be healing to our bodies or to our souls that takes place. There may be a rejoicing that takes place. There may be a lifting of the burden and all these things that we know to be true. Why is that, Pastor? Because worship is crucial and very important to every one of us, whether we realize it or not, worship is the first and the foremost reason for you and I being here this morning. Amen. Now, it, it helps me feel good that you want to come and hear me preach. I'm all right about that. It may help the worship team feel good that you want to come and hear them sing, but, 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 but more important than any of those things, worshiping the Father should be number one. Worshiping the Father. The problem is we may or we may not worship God, but in this lifetime we will never be able to completely understand God. But we've come to worship Him. In Romans 1 we find the Bible shows us something here that's really amazing when you think about it. The Bible actually tells us that God even shows things to those who are not believers. The Bible tells us that there are things that are clearly seen. Things like, like his eternal power and his divine nature that we read about. The Bible says everybody can see those things. Saint and sinner alike, everybody can see those things. These things are obvious and they're common to man. The skeptics were really, if, if they were really honest with themselves, even they would have to admit the fact that there is a God. Listen, all you've got to do is get up and get out and understand the fact there's a God. All you've got to do is understand how you were put together and understand that there is a God. All you've got to do is study the brain and how the brain works. You've got to understand there's a higher power somewhere. There's somebody out there that's creating these things and that is God Almighty. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You can't deny it. Many of us, we're always talking, really, when you think about it, how difficult God is to understand. I mean, we'll say things like, I wish I could figure God out. I've made that statement before. I wish I could know what God was thinking. Sometimes it's hard for me to understand God and, and what he wants me to be and what he wants me to do. But here's the, here's, the, here's the big problem. It's not so much that you and I may not can understand God, but it's rather this. Is it our willingness or our unwillingness to worship him? Do, are we willing, in other words, to give him honor? Even though I may not understand everything going on in my life. Am I willing to give him praise in the midst of hell? Am I willing to lift holy hands before him? Even when I don't know where my next meal is coming from. Am I willing to honor him with everything that's within me, even though I don't know what tomorrow may hold? I don't know what phone call I might receive. I don't know what bad news I might get. Am I willing to give God all of the praise? Amen. Amen. In verse 21, it gives us a, a stern warning. 
it tells us that even though we may know little or even a lot about God, that there are those who may choose to not glorify God. And some of you may be thinking, hey, wait a minute, Pastor. I worship God every Sunday. I worship God every Sunday morning. I mean, I get here at 1030 and I, and I come in and sit down and I listen to the singing and I, and I listen to the preaching and, and I worship God. But sometimes even the preacher makes me stay at 1230 and I'm all right with that and, and I still worship God. Listen to me. Glorifying God is not just a Sunday morning thing. It's a full-time job all day long, every day of the week. I'm going to worship and I'm going to glorify my creator. Amen. Come on now. I'm trying to help us this morning. I'm trying to help you and I. Don't go home today saying, I don't think you worship. I know most of you worship, but this is what we need to be asking ourselves. Do I really glorify God beyond these four walls? Do I really glorify God when I get out from underneath the preaching or I get out from underneath the singing? When I'm out there on my job, am I worshiping God? When I'm in Walmart, am I worshiping God? When I'm doing my grocery shopping, am I worshiping the Lord? You say, Pastor, can you, can you worship God in Walmart? Oh, yes, you can. Can you worship God while you pump gas in your car? Oh, yes, you can. Can you worship God on the job? Oh, yes, you can. You can worship the Lord. Do I really give him thanks every day? Glorifying God, really, when you think about it, <laughs> needs to become a natural part of every one of our lives. A natural part of every one of our lives. It should be spontaneous. Now, some of you are going to think I'm getting on to you when I say this, but I'm not. I really am not, okay? When we come in here on Sunday mornings, it should be a spontaneous thing for you and I to worship Him. I don't care if the computers are working and they ain't working, and sometimes they ain't work this morning. I don't care if the cameras are not doing what they're supposed to do. We still need to worship God. I don't care if even the preacher ain't doing everything he's supposed to do. Amen? I've come to worship Him. I've come to give Him honor. I've come to, to pour out my praise upon him. Amen. Why? Because he's God. Because he's worthy of our praise. Amen. Deuteronomy 6 and 5 says this, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thine soul and with all thy might. I think we need to make a commitment to the Lord right now, so I want you to repeat with me, I will, I will. love the Lord, love the Lord. My, God, my God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my might. Could you just say it one more time? I will. I'm going to love the Lord. My God. With all of my heart. With all of my soul. And with all of my might. I think if you say it one more time, you might just be getting it. I will love the Lord. My God. With all of my heart. And with all of my soul. And with all of my might. I'm going to give him praise. We'll give him praise in the house today. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I like what Psalms 47 and 1 and 2 says. It says this, oh, clap your hands, all you people. It says, shout to God with a voice of triumph. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Getting back to what I said originally when I first started, I know some folk think we're crazy in the house being Pentecostal people. But can I tell you, the Bible says, clap my hands unto the Lord. My Bible tells me to shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. 
Why did it ask for me to do that? Because I recognize, Brother Joe, the fact that it's not me, it's all about him. I recognize the fact I can't win the battle by myself, but with God on my side, I am victorious. I recognize the fact that I may be in a valley, but all I've got to do is continue to praise him, and he'll reach down and pick me up out of the valley and set me where I need to go. I recognize the fact that my life may not be everything that I want to be but all I've got to do is simply trust in God Almighty and he'll take me from there over to here and put me on a rock worthy of standing amen hallelujah hallelujah so clap your hands all you people shout to God with a voice of triumph now let's look back at verse 21 in Romans chapter 1 the Bible says this Talking about these people that, that this chapter was talking about, it says, they were not thankful. And it says, but because of that, they became fruitful in their thoughts. Or futile. Is that how you say that? Thank you. Futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Now think about that scripture. They became foolish. Their hearts was darkened simply because, now I want to slow down here so, 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 so this, this will get us. Simply because they refused to worship God. So what does that mean? Is it possible then that if I refuse to worship God that I become foolish? Is it possible then if I refuse to worship God that my heart will be darkened? Is it possible then, if I don't worship God, I will leave this house every now and then and say, I didn't feel nothing. Hmm. Simply all because they would not glorify God and they were not thankful. I read about a guy in the New Testament who understood the very next steps that he heard that was coming down the hallway could be guards coming to take him away, to kill him, to execute him. I read about a guy that his only bed that he had to sleep in was a hard, cold stone floor of the dark, damp prison cell that he was in. Not an hour passed when he was free from the constant irritation of the chains that was on him and the pain of those iron shackles cutting into his wrist and cutting into his legs. This guy was separated from friends, unjustly accused, and brutally treated. If ever a person had a right to complain, it was this man. He could have almost been forgotten in a harsh Roman prison, but instead of complaints, what I read is his lips rang forth with praise and his lips rang forth with thanksgiving. That man I'm talking about is the Apostle Paul. He was a man who had learned the meaning of true thanksgiving and true worship even in the midst of great adversity. Earlier when he had been in prison in Rome. This is what he said in Ephesians 5. He said sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, I look across this congregation today and I ain't seeing nobody with chains on their wrist and I'm not seeing nobody with shackles on your feet and yet sometimes it takes the preacher to motivate us to just do a little bit of worship. Can I I tell you I'm here today 
standing before you in my right mind. I know some of you don't think that, but I'm in my right mind. And I'm going to give God praise in spite of everything that may be going on. I'm going to give God honor. I'm going to give him praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Think of it. Always giving thanks for everything. No matter what the circumstances is. I don't mean to bring this up, Tony and Christy, but, but forgive me if I step on some toes here. I was so blessed to see the video you guys, you and Ashton, put on, <laughs> on Facebook. I don't know if some of y'all watched the, that video of Ashton shooting the deer and him and Tony embracing and crying over that deer. I'm going to tell you, it blessed my socks off. Now, I know a lot of people, they don't give a flip about deer hunting. I get it. How can anybody go out there and shoot that little baby Bambi? This wasn't no baby Bambi. That, that deer, I, that, that was not a baby Bambi. I need to find out where your hunting stand is. It's a big deer. But what blessed me with it is a father and the son that was standing there embracing over the elation and joy of killing this deer. Brought back memories of me and dad when I was young and we was going hunting. I tell you, I, I tell you all kinds of stories of what daddy done to me, but you know, and little things that he shouldn't have never done to a little boy. And he's listening today online. But you know what blessed me is that we had time together. We spent time together. Now, I feel guilty today because I don't take the time that I probably need to take to go hunting with my father. And I'm not telling you that to feel sorry for me. I'm, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But I remember those times by the rains that I enjoyed spending time with my father. I enjoyed spending those hunting moments, even though some of them was aggravating, even though sometimes they were cold, even though sometimes I didn't understand why did daddy do what he done? Why did daddy leave this little boy out here all by himself? And a deer is sitting in a, in a snow heap and, and, and are in a tree somewhere. I'm cold up here. You know, I wonder all those things. But I appreciate the time that we had always giving thanks in everything. I wouldn't trade any of it. I wouldn't trade any of it. I, would, I wouldn't even trade the time that, he, that, a, that a buck deer looked like about as big as the one you killed, Ashton, almost run us over one time as, as me and the little boy. He had to pull me out of the way. Now, Daddy says I tell stories, and I don't remember things like he remembers things. But that's how I remember it. Paul here, Paul, Paul was not a once-a-year celebration kind of guy. Hear me today. Paul had a daily reality in his life that changed his life and made him to be a joyful person even in the midst of a cold, damp prison cell. He even said, Brother Roger, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. He said, henceforth, there's a crown of righteousness awaiting me. I have fought a good fight. How's your fight today? I've kept the faith. How's your faith level today? Is it down here? Is it up here? Where is it today? Can I tell you that when we, when we consider Thanksgiving and, and worship and, and the giving of thanks to God for all of, his, all of his blessing, it should be one of the most distinctive marks in the life of a Christian. Really? Now, you still love me? All right. Because there's times that I hear some of us Complain as if we got it real bad. 
There's times I hear some of us that read some posts on Facebook that I'm thinking, are they really a child of God? Is that all right? Sometimes I hear us fuss and complain and make other people mad because that's not the way I wanted my cheeseburger. <laughs> I'm fixing to. Sometimes we complain because that's not how my steak needed to be cooked. Oh, I'm, I'm sitting right in your living room. Now, what I don't want you to do is go out of this sanctuary today and get to a restaurant and act like a goober after you heard me preach. In everything, give, I'm, not saying it's not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that you can't send your steak back and get it cooked. That's not what I'm talking about. You can do that. That's fine. But be nice about it. I'm not saying just because that waiter or that waitress did not give you the service that they need, I'm not going to leave them no tip. Shame on you. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. Thank you. <laughs> you don't know what they're going through. You don't have a clue what their life is like. You don't. I'm just telling you, we've got to be right about these things. And the Bible says, I can be thankful simply because it ought to be a distinctive mark in my life as a person that loves God, as a Christian. We cannot allow the spirit of ingratitude to harden our heart and chill our relationship with God and others. Listen to me. Nothing turns us into a bitter, selfish, dissatisfied people more quickly than an ungrateful heart. You want something else? There's nothing, nothing will do more to restore our contentment and the joy of our salvation than if you and I will take on a true spirit of thankfulness, a true spirit of thankfulness. When you look in the ancient world and, and study that, and many of you have, and you, you studied leprosy before, leprosy was a, was a, was a horrible, terrible disease. It, 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 it hopelessly disfigured a people, took ears off and noses off and fingers and all those kind of things. You, we read about that in the scripture. Permanently cut them off from society. They had their own place to stay. They had to go about hollering, unclean, unclean, everywhere they went. And without exception, every leper yearned for just one thing. Every one of them yearned for just one thing, and that was, I want to be healed. I want to be healed. There's a story in the Bible about ten lepers. They approached Jesus one day outside a village, and they began to plead with him, began to plead with him, Lord, heal us. In an instant, he restored every one of them to their perfect health, the Bible said. But only one, think about it, only one came back and thanked him. All the rest left without a word of thanks. Their, their minds probably preoccupied with themselves, gripping a spirit of ingratitude. And can I tell you that even today, the day that we live in, ingratitude and thanklessness are very, very common. Very common. Why do you say that, Pastor? Children forget to thank their parents for everything the parents do for them. We do. Common courtesy sometimes is scorned. We don't have common courtesy anymore. We take for granted the way others, uh, others help us. Above all, we fail to thank God for His blessings. Can I tell you this? You may have never heard this before, but let me tell you. Ingratitude is a sin. Pastor, I thought... Murder was a sin. It is. 
I thought stealing from somebody, well, it is. I thought backbiting and all that kind of stuff, well, it is. But when I have a spirit of ingrata, in, being ingratitude, <laughs> ungrateful, thank you. Get my tongue twisted here right. Being ungrateful, it's a sin in my life. Just as, just as much as lying or stealing or immorality, any of those other things. One, one, one of the Bible's indictments against rebellious humanity is that although the Bible said, again, Romans 1, 21, although they knew him. Think about this now. We're people that's supposed to know God, right? Right? We know him. But these people, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. Nor gave thanks to him. An ungrateful heart is a heart that's cold toward God. An ungrateful heart is a, God, is, is a heart that's indifferent to his mercy, indifferent to his love. It's a heart that's forgotten how dependent that we are on God from every, for everything. When you look in the scriptures, and I'm coming to a close, when you, when you look into the scriptures from the, from, the, from the beginning to the end of the scriptures, the Bible commands us to be thankful. Commands us to be thankful. Thankfulness ought to be, as I said earlier, a natural outflowing of the heart that is in tune with God. Have you ever hung around anybody that was just not thankful? That just had a, what I would call a rotten spirit? A stinky spirit? I mean, you could even look at it on their face. When they would show up, their face would just, just tell you. You know, they're not thankful. They're ungrateful. I know, I know this is very simplistic right here. I get it. But if it would, it would help us, Brother Bud, if we'll, just, if we'll listen to what we already know, really. And learn to be thankful. The devil made me do it, Pastor. No, he didn't. Don't blame the devil. Don't blame the devil. You have a choice to make. I can either be grateful or I can be, I can be ungrateful. I can have a good spirit about me even when things are not going right. Did y'all know that? Let me say that one more time because some of you didn't get it. I can have a good spirit in my life even though things are not going like I want it to go. I can still be thankful. I'm not saying that, that you don't have stuff that you don't have to go through. I get it. How do I know that? Paul told us, he said, be thankful in Colossians. Be thankful. And so a spirit of thanksgiving is, should be that distinctive mark in you and I in our life. Colossians tells us, let the peace of God rule your hearts. Let the peace of God rule your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And he says, be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And it says, and whatever you do, think about it, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether I'm on the job, whether I'm not on the job, 
whether I'm at a McDonald's restaurant or a Grecian restaurant or whatever the case may be, whatever I do, whatever, if I'm out hunting somewhere, that big buck deer, whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm doing, do it in word and deed. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, fin it ends that scripture. It says, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanksgiving. I know we've got a few days until then, but Thanksgiving is a wonderful time of year for us to be thankful. If nothing else ought to draw our attention to for us being thankful, Thanksgiving ought to be a time to do that. It ought to be a time in which we set aside differences. Help me right here, Lord, because I can easily offend some folks right here. And I'm not meaning to. We ought to be able to set aside differences during Thanksgiving than more than any other time of year because of what this holiday represents. Now, I don't know about you, but several years ago, when the, when the, when the holiday Halloween rolls around, it seemed like that after Halloween, and it was again this year, we moved straight to Christmas. We sort of skip the holiday of being thankful. And probably, if we really would be honest with ourselves, Thanksgiving ought to be topped over Halloween, especially, and Christmas, to be thankful. We have issues with our family that we can't even sit down to eat with them. And we need to pray about it. We have issues with our brother and sister that we can't even shake their hand during Thanksgiving time and say, I just won't let you know, I love you. And we think it's okay. And it's not. It's not. I'm not negating the issues that you're going through. And I'm not negating how you got to that point. But what I am saying is somehow, in some way, we've got to get back to the place to where we've got to set aside the differences long enough that we can sit down and share a meal with one another. Or embrace one another. And love our family, spend time with our family. We, we don't have hope of tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I have, no, I have no clue of tomorrow. I was talking to a lady in Walmart the other day. Actually, it was, it was Friday. If I called her name, some of you would know who I'm talking about. It's a, little, it's, a, it's a black lady in our town that I've known for many years. She called me up the other day and said, Pastor Danny, she didn't go to this church. She said, Pastor Danny, I just wanted to call and ask you to pray for me. Said, my nephew was beat up severely bad the other day. Don't know if he's going to make it. I've got a sister that lives in St. Louis, or I believe it's up in that area, that I'm going, fixing to go see, and she's developed cancer, and they don't expect her to live just a few days. And she just found out that she's got cancer. And she told me three or four things of problems and situations in her life. And I stood there in the produce section where the apples and is at at Walmart, and I talked to this lady, and she was in a wheelchair, and I said, ma'am, I said, I know that you know this because I know you. God understands everything. 
She said, I know he does, Pastor. I just need prayer. And I said, I'll pray with you, and I'll pray for you, and I'm going to believe that God is going to sustain you, God's going to help, help you. But one of the things that I know about this lady is in the midst of all the stuff, even in the past, that she has went through, she always somehow gives thanks to God. I was at a funeral one day, several years ago, as a little teenage boy. I watched a mama stand in front of a casket of her son that was shot and killed at a poker game between his cousin shot him. They were playing, they were drinking, they got drunk. One thing led to another, they got an argument, and the cousin pulled a gun and shot him. I watched this mom go in that casket, in front of that casket, and lift her hands and begin to give God thanks for the time that she had with this boy. And I thought, Sister Mavis, how can she do that? How in the world can she do that? It was all because of the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. I've been at funeral after funeral. Can't tell you how many times. Sister Jeanette, where a family member had died. And in the funeral home, and even at the service, family members was fussing and arguing over how much money am I going to get. Can't tell you how many. And I'm thinking you got a loved one laying there in a coffin, and you can't stop long enough to pay your respects. Where have we, what has happened to us? What's happened to us? God desires us, you and I, to give him thanks, probably much more than we realize. But so many times we give God grief instead of thanks, simply because we choose and we think that we have so much bad happening to us. You're not in jail. You're not in a deep prison today. You don't have shackles on your feet today. You've got a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be thankful for. We're blessed people today. We're blessed. We're blessed. And you and I, if ever before, we need to be aware of the fact that we've got loved ones and family and friends that'll be watching us this holiday season and wondering, Brother Rains, if we really got what we say we got. Oh, pastor, they're not going to do that. They know us. That's the problem. They know you a little bit too good. So you come here to the house of the Lord, and I don't know where this is coming from, but maybe it'll help somebody. We come here to the house of the Lord, we all put that face on, and we put that facade on, and boy, I'm going to talk good. I'm going to say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, all that kind of stuff. But if you get me to the house, I'm going to say all kinds of things. You get me in an argument, and I'm going to say all kinds of of things you get me in that situation and I may not be as thankful as I need to be pastor because they're the one that pushed me into it no they didn't you have a choice to make own it quit blaming others all the time own it own it an old preacher one time told uh, told me one time Karen I was first married he said Danny he said never let the sun go down on your wrath 
Never lay your head down without saying I'm sorry, even if you wasn't the guilty party. You've heard me tell, me and Karen, sometimes we used to fuss and fight when we were young in our marriage. We don't do so much of it now because I just let her have her way. But when we were young in our marriage, I was stubborn and I wanted my way. Y'all have heard me tell these stories. I can't tell you how many nights we'd lay in bed and I'm thinking, it's 12, 1 o'clock at night in the morning, I'm thinking, Sister Sue, I ain't apologizing, she's going to apologize. She's thinking, I'm not apologizing, he's going to apologize. And we'll lay there tossing and turning until eventually one of us, one or the other, we'll roll over and say, hey, I can't sleep. I'm sorry. Can we talk about this thing and you forgive me and we talk a little bit and we just go off into the sleep. Because I understood the value. What, what good is it going to do? What good is it going to be? Is it going to help our relationship? No, it's going to hinder our relationship. But we've learned to value and appreciate one another. Be thankful for one another. I can tell you right now, she doesn't agree with everything I do. I can promise you she doesn't. <clears throat> I can tell you the same thing. I don't agree with everything she does. But I love her. And I hope she loves me. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm just saying, during this time of year, especially this time of year, the Bible commands us to be thankful. The Bible commands us <coughs> to have a worshipful spirit. The Bible commands us, Brother Joe, to come before his presence with singing, thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, praising him and giving him honor and giving him praise. You and I, we can do that. We can do that. With all heads bowed, <coughs> all eyes closed, real quickly. I want to ask you something today. Are you thankful? Are you blessed? Are you thankful that you're blessed? Or is there something in your life that's going on that you'd say, Pastor, boy, I'm having a hard time being thankful today. I've got family members that I'm cross with. I've got co-workers that, <coughs> that I don't understand and they don't understand me. And it causes friction, causes conflict. I, I, I need to be more thankful even in the midst of all the stuff that's going on. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand and put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs> in the balcony, all over this floor, lift your hand up and put it right back down. I want to be thankful. Thank you. Thank you so much. So many people, several of you have raised your hand. I want to ask you to stand this morning. <coughs> and as you stand, if you don't mind, I would like everybody, if you will, everybody to come down to the altar real quick. I want to have a closing prayer with you. Those that raised your hand, those that didn't, if you can, I want you to just get out of your seat and come <coughs> from the balcony. We'll wait on you on this main floor. I believe it would be honor, honoring God when we, we close this way. Be thankful unto him. Karen, can you get my water, please? My water back there. Would you look at me for just a second, and we're going to pray. I already know 
I don't know at all, but I know some of you. That you're fighting a lot of battles today. You're fighting a lot of devils today. Having things that you're dealing with. It's tough. That's hard. And you're trying to navigate through all of that stuff. That's difficult. You're trying to make every step count. You're trying to make every word count. You're trying to understand. You're trying just to deal. It's hard. And there's times that it feels like the weight of the world. Not all the time, but there's moments that the weight of the world is on your shoulders. And you can't seem to find a lot of times the answers that you need. And you can't seem to find many times the weight being lifted off your shoulders. And this is what I'm encouraging you to do today. I want you to change your tactics. Change your prayers. And begin to be praying in an attitude of being thankful for everything. Pastor, that's hard. I get it. I know it. I know it. It's hard to be thankful when you're going through hell. It is. It's hard to be thankful when you're going through the stuff that life has to deal us, Brother Roger, at times. It's, man, it's so hard. It's so difficult. But why don't you try it? I'm going to change my way. I'm going to change my prayer life. I'm going to change my thought. And I'm going to be thankful in the midst of everything. In the midst of everything. Bridget, several months ago, you were sitting in class in a small group. You remember that? Back in the gym. And you told a little bit of your testimony. While you was telling that testimony, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, my Lord, I watch her come and she worships you and it seems that she's thankful, God, to you and I've not had half the life that she's had and half the stuff that she's gone through. She's got a good testimony. Get with her sometime. Take her out to lunch. She'll tell it to you. It'll, it'll encourage you. But she's still able to be here today to give him honor and to give him praise. I could call name after name after name in this congregation that I know some stuff that you went through. And yet you're still here. The devil hadn't taken you out. He tried, but he hadn't taken you out. You're still here. Hallelujah. And I can be thankful for the fact that I'm here today. I know personally in my life, I know on at least two occasions, maybe more, I know two occasions that the enemies tried to take me out and kill me, but I'm still here. Still here. How do you take a little five foot six, whatever weight I, I was back then, that gets electrocuted with 650,000 volts, and I still be standing before you, but yet I made it through. Still here. I was late for supper, but I'm still here. <laughs> How do you explain that? It's just God. So I've got a lot to be thankful for. We all have a lot to be thankful for today. Amen. If you don't mind, just join a person's hand that you're standing beside real quick. <clears throat> I want us to pray with one another. Pray for your neighbor today. Pray for your family today. Ask God to give them the strength that they need. Father God, you see everybody in this house today.
that's down in this altar, that's in the pew, standing in the aisles today, wherever they may be. God, you know every one of them and the difficulty that they're having of being thankful and being able to give you thanks and to give you praise. I'm asking you today, God, that you would reach your loving hand down to where they are today and enrich them today. I'm asking you, Lord, to encourage them in their spirit today. I'm asking you, God, to heal their minds and their spirit today in the name of Jesus, Lord. And in this moment, in this feeling, in this presence, oh God, of being thankful, place a new sense of awareness in our hearts, oh God, and in our thoughts that we must be thankful every day of our life. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what our future holds, but God, we know who holds the future. We know, God, that you have everything in control and we're holding on to you. Though the winds may come, we're holding on to you. And though the floods may rise up around us, we're still holding on to you. And though the storms may want to knock us off our feet, oh God, we're still going to proclaim you, Lord, and proclaim you, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And though the enemy may have tried to take us out, he's not been successful. We're still standing here today. We're still standing firm on our rock today. The rock of ages. That rock that cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee, O oh God. Speak to our hearts today, Lord. Speak to our hearts today, God. Help us to find that cleft in the rock to run to. Help us to find that source of strength to run to. Hold us, Lord. Hold us, Lord. Hold us, Lord. Hold us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I need to speak to some of you husbands and wives just for a second. There's some of you that's here, the Lord just laid on my heart that you're battling some stuff with one another. You may have even thought about divorce. You may have even thought about separation. Nobody else knows, just you. But God knows. And He's encouraging, encouraging you right now. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Don't listen to his lies. Understand the fact that God's for you. He's not against you. You and your spouse, you remember, there was a time 
You may think, well, I don't love them like I used to. There was a time that you was head over heels in love with them. That you couldn't get enough of them, right? You remember that? It's not changed. It's you that's changed. We've, we're, we're the ones that's changed. Fall back in love with that spouse. Date that spouse. Be thankful for that one that God has placed in your care and their care. That he brought you guys together. Because it's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And what the enemy wants to do today, more than any time before, Brother Rains, he wants, it seems like he wants to come in and divide our, our homes and our families and our husbands and our wives today. Divide us and conquer those things. Listen, most of the stuff that we fight about is petty. It is. Forget that junk. Don't listen to the enemy and be sold on the fact that God is for you. And he wants to put you guys back together and keep you the way it needs to be kept. Your children needs a mama. Your children needs a daddy. But they also need a mama and a daddy together, not separated. Well, pastor, I've already been down that road. I, I understand that. I get it. I'm not fussing at you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging you. We've all made decisions that we regret, but you can't go back and undo things that's already been done many times. You've got to start now, but I'm talking to those of you that's married now. Understand who you are and where you are in this thing. And understand the fact that God is for you, and He wants to keep you guys together. Amen? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless every person that's here today. I bless every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that's in this house today. I bless them as they go out. I bless them as they come in. I bless them with the understanding of the fact that they're God-given. I bless them with the understanding of knowing, O oh God, that they have a love for one another and their family members, O oh God, that never has happened before. Let it be stronger than it ever has been before. I bless them, O oh God, with an attitude of being thankful this season in the name of Jesus. I bless them, O oh God, with a right attitude. I bless them, O oh God, with the right heart and the right thinking in their minds. And we come against the enemy. We come against his tactics. We come against him in the name of Jesus. He cannot cross the bloodline today. And we plead the blood over our homes, over our lives, and over our families today in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen and amen. Well, give God praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being here today. God bless you.